Hi, my name is Yura Glaw. I'm a radical onset trainer and um, practitioner of many years. I have been having many kinds of relationships where I experimented of telling the truth and um, I've been surprising myself each time. Hi, Ines. So I'm going to take a while to look at you while you look at me. Um, hi, Rokas, Balandas. <laughs> Today I'm, I want to talk about this topic that I notice I am really scared uh, just before, like already yesterday when I announced the the theme I felt a little bit nauseous and now just before the live I started to like have dry mouth and my body temperature cooled down I have like cold sweaty palms and I'm since the whole morning imagining what to say and what not to say who to like which story to include and which not for um, my own safety although I do feel pretty safe and I'm still scared um and i imagine the fear that i have is from those you know unresolved conflicts where i had been in you know in a situation where i didn't feel powerful and i cut the person off rather than try to resolve the conflict and in doing so i also learned that completion talk or the conflict resolution or um restoring connection sometimes is mm, not even that it's not possible uh it's not an option or it, it's something that would bring me back to the cycle of being mm, abused and i am very careful using that word because from the things that i've seen from what i know what abuse is i haven't been i haven't gotten anything severe bad like the kind of abuse that I've been inflicting on my uh, people around me and I have been inflicted upon is very subtle so subtle that I didn't even consider that as an abuse it's like that's just a normal thing and that's why I want to talk about the subtle abuse something that I'm pretty good at <laughs> um, and to sort of um, call out the elephant in the room I have been so ashamed and scared of acknowledging that I have been abusive in my relationships with people towards my partners. And um, it was even more shameful to acknowledge and to share, say out loud to some of my closest friends that I have been in a relationship where I have been emotionally and psychologically abused as well. And when my therapist like and the the wanting to be in that relationship the the dependence and the connection with that person was so strong that when my therapist when she said along the lines like you know it would really it's like oh you're like considering leaving you you know quitting their relationship and she was happy about it i wanted to quit my therapist i wanted to break up with her it's like how dare you to be happy about this this is like it's like um like a child who's 
survival completely depends on the parent and then someone says in in security you know your parent needs help and the child goes like no there's like no 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 i have i can fix this it's my responsibility i can do this i'm gonna help out do whatever i need to help my parents to um feel better just like do not make the waves do not take away my parent so i had that dynamics in my relationships um and that was already two years ago so i'm sweating and feel cool like i feel vulnerable talking about this and and i also want to acknowledge that i have been working with people who have been um in abusive relationships and i witnessed them to you know have these symptoms of fear and feel very uncomfortable talking about it and or just filtering out not saying things because they still feel like they're under threat or that they're so afraid to be shamed for choosing the kind of path and choosing the kind of dynamics and relationships um that's why i really want to open the conversation i want this to be public spoken talked about i want conversations about the subtle abuse to be normalized that there's nothing shameful about it and if somebody shames you put them back in their place <laughs> all right so i'm risking right now to to it's like i noticed like the way i'm filtering my thoughts is that i think that i'm risking my reputation if i'm gonna reveal um my relationship dynamics and i've been practicing radical honesty for so many years that i know that it's not true that the more i share of myself the more people can relate and the people who do not like what i share or how i share it these are not the kind of people that will stick around and be my friends or not the kind of people i will be friends with so i'm courageously gonna just continue talking all right so contextually um i also mentioned that in my previous honesty when talking about jealousy and control is that when i watch movies and i grew up in front of a tv right uh, the first six or seven years of my childhood i i grew up in a village so i was with animals and then sometimes in front of a tv but like the big people had the, the remote control well there was no remote control back in the day i would be the one who my my dad would send to chips to like switch the, the channels um, so I had the, I had a DT, but when we moved to the city, then every day I was spent in front of a computer, um, in front of a TV. And this is how I learned my English language, by what, by watching Nickelodeon and the cartoon channels, basically. Uh, and so I grew up in front of a TV and the kind of things that I would see on a TV, I remember seeing, watching horror movies and when I was little seeing the romantic scenes in the movies um on in on every friday or saturday night there would be like the the movie of the week that would be some sort of thriller um where there was a woman who needed to be saved a man who would like come and like violently like kiss or a woman or would like shoot people and and that was considered to be normal this is like it's people people are watching this for fun um and i never questioned that and i grew up in in the small when i was little i was in a small village with like two or three hundred people 
and everybody knew everybody and you know people swear they're like real good rednecks and little kids take over the 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 communication pattern so you, you can see like little kids relating to smaller kids being like you fucking piece of shit and they would be like n- blaming n- calling names the the little kids because that's how adults relate to children and so it took me like i was already in the west of europe the you know the privileged world and amongst Uh, educated people where I, I was studying at university when I realized that that I noticed that people like the things that I can say in my family first of all I cannot get away with the things that my family members tell me like calling names or shaming or criticizing I could not get away with my in my family but my family members can get away by by name calling me for example But I was the smallest one, so I would I didn't really have the power to be like, you're so and so, not a lot for me, but a lot for my sisters, for example. And I noticed that people um, would, you know, the the standard way of showing yourself is like when you are relating to people, when you're outside of the house, then you do not name call other people. And you do not criticize other people for what they're wearing and what they're doing. You're like, you gossip, you go back home and you gossip behind their back about what you think of them. Um, but you do criticize and, uh, I don't know, shame your family members. And that was the norm. And I was like, wait a minute, that's like, there's something is like, this feels bad at the point when I started to feel my body because most of my life I didn't feel my body. So the time when I started to feel my body, it's like, this feels bad. Like talk for me, talking with my family members just doesn't feel good. And I couldn't get what that was until, you know, I got into psychotherapy studies. And then I was like, this is called criticism. And it seems like I've been in like toxic relationship with my family members, not all, some of them. And no wonder it doesn't feel good because I get like the the type of conversations like picking on on each other and provoking and poking and saying and somehow speaking derogatory in derogatory terms, implying that you are you don't know nothing, I know better, and then laughing about it. So I was super confused because whenever my sisters would bully me, what I call now bullying, my parents or my grandparents, they would say, oh, don't take it to your heart. You're just too sensitive. You don't, don't mind that. And I, and I grew up thinking that being that, you know, bullying was just the, it's intimacy. This is what a family connection really looks like. And when I started to have my relationships, the way I would be intimate with my partners is by criticizing them, scolding them by lecturing them, implying that I know better and you don't know anything. And by just perceiving myself as superior and then inferior. And that was that that would like fulfill me in my relationships. So at the very beginning of my relationship, I was violent. I was violent to my partners. And I'm sweating as I'm talking right now about it. Long story short, that yeah the normal way of relating for me that i picked up from where i come from 
was violent. And when, you know, the reason why I do not enjoy spending time with some of my family members is because that I see how they relate with each other. And then they talk to me that way. And I felt, uh, don't talk to me that way. It took me like, you know, only the last few years that I started to tell my family members, like, you're not going to talk to me that way. That's it. I'm not the little girl. I'm not going to just like swallow. I'm not sensitive. You're full of shit. You need to shut the fuck up. Don't talk to me that way. It took me a while to, to like feel that I'm entitled to a better treatment for myself. So, but it didn't really go that well in my, in my intimate relationships. In my intimate rela- relationships, I got like the more attraction I, I had with my partners, the more my heart was open and the more mental clutter was also open. So like when the heart is really open and then I would say something and then my partner would get angry then he would disconnect and would punish me uh, with disconnection or assuming I really enjoyed having sex with my lover and he knew that. So whenever he was mad at me, he would punish me by not, by just like, and he even said that once and I was like, huh, that's a red flag, but I continued going. (laughs) And he says like, you're not, you're not like, you're not, you're not getting sex tonight. And I was like, am I that kind of, woman who like I really just want am I dating him only for sex and I I was in like honestly I was I was really enjoying the sensations of my body being around him I was very open very aroused like orgasmic very aliveant but the communication was a disaster and it was a disaster because I coming from you know from I'm working with all kinds of people and people who have come from severe trauma, for example. And so I have a very high tolerance to dysfunction, bring like very high tolerance to dysfunction in my own family and very high tolerance to dysfunctional people around me, like mentally, um, yeah, challenge, not challenge, but like people who get really fiery very quickly and then they explode and burst out and call names and get hysterical. In those moments, that's when I feel most of control. And um, I can tolerate these people. I can take them. So you can imagine what kind of my, my, my friend circles were. And I had many uh, types of friendships of abusive kind where my friends would demand things from me and I would try to provide that to them because I was like, oh yeah, poor you, of course you need help. I, I, I can provide this for you, which give me, put me in some power position and would feed their neediness in a way. So that didn't really go well either. At some point I needed to cut people off because I was feeling drained after meeting my friends. And I was like, I don't get it, what is wrong? must be something with me I need to travel and then I would travel and then recharge my batteries and then I would get into the same abusive patterns where I was hanging out with people who needed my help and I was there to save them and help them and then I would get you know exhausted and I would run away again I would come back and I was like I remember like in 2017 I was like damn it I'm like you know, I, I'm starting doing this radical honesty thing professionally now and I want to like charge money and, you know, have clients. And 
all my friends were my clients who didn't really, you know, didn't want the kind of friendship that is based, uh, based on payments. Um, they didn't need really a professional help because they were so much fulfilled by just me being a very giving person. I was always available for them. And um, that's how I didn't really have much friends. Eventually, I had to change my friends and to be more like I had to become more of an asshole to set boundaries, to say, no, I'm not available. I'm not going to do this. The kind of friendships I started to build where I started to avoid people who would come to me and because they valid my opinion or advice I stopped giving or perceiving myself as superior and um, a savior for them and I wanted to connect and the kind of friendship didn't really work Um, and we drifted, drifted, drifted away but in the meantime I also made connections with people where I could be me vulnerable in the last two years I was depressed I wanted to kill myself so I didn't really have the capacity to give anymore and I was terrified I thought that's it like who would ever want to be with me when I am so down low and I don't know how to ask for support for myself but I learned that the people who stayed they stayed with me because they can keep up with me when I'm super low and they can keep up with me when I'm super high in my life and others they just drifted away and I'm so happy for that transitional period because I learned how to first of all take care of myself how to be me without performing without needing to help needing to save anybody Um, and I learned that people still like me for how I am and I like people for liking me for that right so this is my story um just um Last week, I was preparing this um, live and I postponed it for another week because I, I chickened out. Um, because, and I was I just went on Google and I saw research the internet, what the internet has to say about the emotional abuse. Because there's one thing about physical abuse where I come from in the news every day, somebody gets beaten up, killed, you know, because of alcoholism. This is Lithuania. This is what it, it is like. The reality, the culture where physical abuse is very prevalent. Here in the West, though, in the West where I like in in Germany, I don't see that violence um, so much, probably because I don't watch TV and I don't watch news. I'm like blissfully ignorant around me, but I do see violence uh, in communication because that's my field. You know, this is what I've been trained for to notice very small details with communication and emotional abuse is one thing that I imagine people do to each other, especially in with like spiritual superiority uh, complex, <laughs> the experience, like people who are spiritual and perceive themselves as somehow superior and they are shaming or guilt tripping other people for not being so spiritually attained or so in such a high vibration. Um, so that's where I, as well, uh, where I, the circles that I was surrounding myself in, and I was also perceiving myself as spiritual superior for a long time. So I noticed a lot about that emotional uh, abuse, where people are playing with connection, disconnection, and 
and then there's a mental abuse about shaming and calling names and um, playing psychological tricks that I was very good at because my family members were really good at and so I had to read about it so as I am I'm just gonna read through the types of um emotional and mental abuse that are that I perceive um, around me humiliation negating and criticizing so one of the greatest fear I have is somebody coming and calling me out and then I feel humiliated for example feeling jealous for me has a humiliating flavor I have been humiliated both at school and this is a very like very, the kind of experience that I just, I'm like, I refuse to experience it. I'm going to do whatever it takes so I never have to experience humiliation. It's like this downward movement in my body that I like, I cannot just shake it off. It's really bad. So the, um, the signs of that is name calling. Um, you know, when somebody calls you stupid or you're a loser or you suck, that is that kind of violence. Derogatory pet names. I have a friend who um, who shared that in their family, their brother is called sausage, and I I find it violence. I I, I find it violent in the way that the, the like or my dad would call me the spoiled one, which imagine in his vocabulary that meant um it's sweet, um, but my sisters would shame me and they would use that as you know derogatory. So I had this mixed feeling about being the spoiled one. It's like, you know, this is how I know that my dad loves me, but this is how I know that this is shameful and bad and I should not be the spoiled one. Um, character assassination. This usually involves the word always. You're always late, wrong, screwing up, disagreeable, and so on. Um, basically, whoever tells you that you're not a good person is violent, especially in... Yeah, I think mostly in, in intimate relationships, that's when I have heard mostly saying, it's like, you're never listening to me. You don't respect me. How dare you? Who do you think you are to think that way or to wish that thing? Ugh. Yelling, screaming, and swearing. I'm meant, to, I'm meant to intimidate and make you feel small and in, in, inconsequential. <sighs> Patronizing. Oh, sweetie. Oh, I had that in Germany. And I think like the way I excuse myself for not speaking German is that when sometimes I had Ger like I spoke in German, people were like, oh, Jesus, well, here comes to done. And then I would go like, oh, as especially when going to the when I was hitchhiking around Europe and I went to the south people would look at me and treat me as this like little fragile cute it's like oh you don't know where you're going so sweet of you was horrible um I absolutely hate it and I, I didn't even know how to like process this because this is so counter to my culture um yeah uh, there's something I wanted to say about it and I forgot so I'm just gonna move on public embarrassment this is a big one um, yeah, I also want to remember to say something about that. 
So basically, when somebody's picking fights with you or want to expose your secrets or make fun of you in, in public, this is violence. If, yeah, I, I wish that if you see someone publicly shaming another person, I would rather, like, I want you to step up and be like, this is not okay. This is not funny. It's not fun to make fun out of someone on their behalf. Uh, dismissiveness you tell them about something that's important to you and they say nothing or they say it's nothing body language like eye rolling smirking handshaking head shaking and sighing helps convey the same message it's like anybody who disregards your feeling opinion or someone like openly um fuck them they're being badass joking so this is very common in my family my family members would um say say something like disgust but like really horrible and then they laugh and I was really confused that really confused me and for a long time I would say something like a, share a very painful memory of mine and I was laughing I was giggling because uh, this is how in my family we tend to not experience anger and sadness we make jokes about really horrible things and I think it's coming from like culturally as a country that has been abused um, systemically with occupation and have been having this really horrible you know leftovers after war that laughter and giggles and jokes help to survive to people um, that you know the massacres that has happened but the way it's done within the family the, the, the intimate relationships it's not funny and sometimes I even make jokes now and I don't know it kind of gives this like flavor of nah, I kind of like it and I don't like it and I just want to bring awareness that joking the jokes might have a grain of truth to them or be a complete fabrication either way they make you look, look foolish um, sarcasm sarcasm is hidden anger and I also just want to make clear that we control and manipulate and uh, we are violent when we feel threatened or angry or both so sarcasm is that expression of anger um, often just a dig in disguise when you object they claim to have been teasing and tell you to stop taking everything so seriously this is uh, how I was raised the sarcasm Insults of your appearance. They tell you just before you go out that your hair is ugly or your outfit is cloudish. That is violent. Um, and my mom, every time she puts up, you know, clothes, she asks, like, so what do you think? Are they not going to kick me out of the street? Which is a joke, but it's also implying that, um, like, I care so much what other people think that um, I'm scared. People can actually, you know, criticize me and I'm going to have to go home and change my clothes. Just like probably people used to do back in the day with parents. You know, like, what are you wearing? Change your clothes. Uh, belittling your accomplishments. Your abuser might tell you that your achievements mean nothing or they may even claim responsibility for your success. Blech. Put downs of your interest. They might tell you that your hobby is a childish waste of time or you're out of your league when you play sports. Really, it's that they'd rather you not participate in activities without them. 
pushing your buttons. Once your visa knows about something that annoys you, they'll bring it up or do it every chance they get. Now, control and shame, trying to make you feel ashamed of your inadequacies is just another path to power. Um, and really when we're scared or angry, we are trying to take power over another person. So one of the way tools um, for shame and control game includes threats, telling they will you know, take the kids or publish your secrets or publish something on social media about you. Um, monitoring your whereabouts. Um, digital spying, unilateral decision-making, financial control, lecturing, belaboring your errors with long monologues makes it clear they think you're beneath them. I did a lot of that. I did a lot of lecturing. I was a good student. I learned how to be a shitty teacher. So I was lecturing my partners for a good few years and I was torturing them that way. Direct orders from get my dinner on the table now or stop taking the pill. Orders are expected to be followed despite your plans to the contrary. Outbursts. Uh, you were told to cancel the outing with your friend or put the car in the garage, but didn't. So now you have to put up with the red face to write about how uncooperative you are. It's like you did you did something that you did something bad. I'm going to torture you by... Uh, explaining you how you are a bad person and I'm right and I'm good. Treating you like a child. <sighs> there are people who still treat me like a child. And when men talk about dating girls or meeting girls or referring to adult women as girls, I get this like, dude, no, you do not. Like girls are 12 year olds who don't have their own autonomy, who don't really make their own decisions because they're young and they need to be protected. Women, on the other hand, are fully capable to make their own decisions, to say no and be treated with respect. Um, so women are not girls, just like men are not boys. Boys are 12 year old boys, teenagers. Feign helplessness. They may say they don't know how to do something. Sometimes it's easier to do it yourself than to explain it. They know this and take advantage of it. Unpredictability. They'll explode with rage out of nowhere, suddenly shower you with affection or become dark and moody at the drop of a hat to keep you walking on eggshells. I have that and my with one of my lovers was really scary. He was like very loving and the next time I was like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? It's like, why would you tell me such a thing? And I was just like, where is that coming from? It was really scary. They walk out in a social situation, stomping off the room leaves you holding the bag at home. It's a tool to keep the problems unresolved. I used to walk out because I didn't know how to handle the shame and embarrassment and the humiliation of being responsible for the mess that I just created. So I used to walk out and that was, yeah, I feel tight in my stomach. I imagine I'm still embarrassed to admit it. Using others. Abusers may tell you that everybody thinks you're crazy or they all say you're wrong. I have clients who come to me and they all like their whole, when I ask them, what about, what do you think? What do you feel? They name what they have heard their partner has told to them about them and what their partner told others think of them. It's a very painful process to witness, but that's true. Um, 
many of us do refer to ourselves through other people's eyes and people who can take advantage of it can by saying well you know your neighbors or your you know or that person thinks or mm-hmm. your doctor should and tell you what to do or not to do or that you are wrong so accusing blaming and denial jealousy um, is used to accuse um, like if I feel insecure, if you if you threaten me, then I have the right to accuse you for flir- uh, flirting and cheating, and I can torture you with that, and then you will feel guilty. And this is this is probably the most normalized abuse um, in the I don't know on a TV in the Disney world that has been streamed on a TV. Turning the tables, they say you caused their rage and control issues by being such a pain. Yeah, I have had that where I had a lover who was angry and and I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to get over your anger. And he's like, no, 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 you are the problem. You're such, you're such and such and such. And you did this and this and this is so inappropriate. What's wrong with you? And he would turn everything against me until I had to cut him off. And that was, uh, yeah, that was an embarrassing experience. Denying something you know is true. An an abuser will deny that an argument or even an agreement took place. This is called gaslighting. It's meant to make you question your own memory and sanity. I think I have done this myself, but that's not true. I didn't really do it on purpose. I had no clue, but I think that by being a good teacher and lecturing my partners, I have had created these circumstances where they started to doubt themselves. And that's when I felt more powerful. And I am definitely have been gaslighted myself by some of my lovers. Um, and I was questioning myself. Um, actually, quite recently, I have been... Uh, the way I do my relationships now is that when I meet someone, I ask them, how do you handle anger? Like, how do you resolve conflict? because usually the end of the relationship was and still I think could be um, that when I get angry I am trained to get over it and I notice when I'm angry I notice that I want to be mean and take power like I notice that those dynamics emerging and I can express those but the people who don't have the training in radical honesty when they get mad they like they do all the lists here that I'm naming here and uh the last time a, a guy really tried to gaslight me and it's like if something is wrong with me I have a disease for wanting what I want and that I should be treated um and that's like yeah what's wrong with me for wanting this and he cannot provide and then he's saying you don't want me you don't want me and I was like no I just want what I want <laughs> and there was nothing I could say or do he was just like crazy and like having his own filter on his perception and whatever he was telling about me was just like completely missed me out and did not see me as I was like I was I could as well not be there and he could just go on a rant about how he's being mistreated um and when I didn't buy into the gaslighting I was like no I don't have to be different I still want what I want I know like I'm not I don't have to be I don't have to change and you don't have to change either he quit he didn't know how to handle it and he just was like okay um because it takes it takes vulnerability to sit and acknowledge what is and it's very painful 
to an experience to acknowledge reality. And some people cannot handle that. Some people need to like quit and go on a rant in their own mind, which is, I have some, I have done that too. Um, using guilt, guilt tripping. Oh, we learned that from our parents. Our parents are really good at installing buttons and pushing those buttons and then guilt tripping us and shaming us for, in order to control us. So we do that in our partnership. And the way people sometimes use guilt to say, you owe me this. Look at what I've done for you in an attempt to get their way. Blah. I have allergy to that because I ex experienced a lot of that while growing up. If I have like allergy, like there's just like I have an antenna. If somebody comes and says something like, you know, I did this favor for you. Would you do? And I was like, Ugh, no, 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 no. Like abort, abort. Not going to. No. Um. Goading then blaming. If users know just how to upset you, but once the trouble starts, it's your fault for creating it. Yeah, I have had that myself and was very confused. I was really doubting myself. I was like, did I really create this? Was I? Did, is it my really like, I'm so sorry. The guy was really convincing and I really believe him. And it's not even with guys. I also had like female friends who would do that to me too. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry that I failed to provide you what you wanted to. <laughs> it was really bad. And then denying their abuse. When you complain about their, their attacks, abusers will deny it, seemingly bewildered at the very thought of it. It's like, what? I haven't done it. No, no, no. Um, which I can understand. I think I also have denied my own uh, behavior back in the day accusing you of abuse they say you're the one who has anger and control issues and they're the helpless victim trivializing when you want to when you want to talk about your hurt feelings they accuse you of overreacting and making mountains out of molehills yeah that still reminds me of my family model it's like don't be too sensitive Yura. you're just this is just a small thing what's wrong with you Saying you have no sense of humor. Abusers make personal jokes about you. If you object, they will tell you to lighten up. Blaming you for their problems. Whatever's wrong in their life is all your fault. You're not supportive enough, didn't do enough, or stuck your nose where it didn't belong. Destroying and denying. They might crack your cell phone screen or lose, lose your key, your car key, then deny it. All these like, ugh. Oh, hard now emotional neglect and isolation this is something that I had to learn in the last few years abusers tend to place their own emotional needs ahead of yours many abusers will try to come between you and people who are supportive of you to make you more dependent on them and I have been witnessing this process in my relationship that it was completely um unconscious like it was just like a very it's like it was just like on autopilot this is how this has been established and I completely bought into it and that was yeah it's like when I when I ended the relationship I had this like almost like a filter got off my face and I was like my attention just like got in front of me and I was like wow here I am in, in my room this is the reality with which I'm sitting and I just remember like, oh, there's people that I haven't talked for months with. It was a very interesting process. I'm, I'm glad that I had that and I'm glad that I ended it. So people who demand respect, 
uh, no perceived slight will go unpunished and you're expected to defer to them, but it's a one-way street. So people who demand respect, uh, yeah, fuck you, not gonna give it to you. Respect is such a natural thing that comes when I feel, when I can trust and I feel safe. That, like respect is such a naturally emerging state of being that you cannot demand respect and you cannot fake respect. I mean, people do fake respect. That's why I imagine we have politicians and governments and things, but um, it's uh, that's why we had colonialism. People could fake respect. It's not something I demand. You can earn it by creating a safe and like environment and trust. Shutting down communication. They'll ignore your attempts at conversation in person by text or by phone. So I have an angry attachment. When I want something and my partner is not giving it to me, my default is to cut off, just not, not talk to them. I'm just like, I'm going to torture you with my silence, which is like this, like, I'm going to cut off the connection. I'm going to torture them by disconnection in order to get what I want or prove my point or just like, if I'm not getting what I want and you're not getting what you want either. Yeah. So that's the reality of me. Dehumanizing. They will look away when you're talking or stare at something else when they speak to you. There are so many ways how sometimes men um, refer to women or adults refer to children as not really human beings, but like, oh, you know, they're kids. They don't get it yet. Or she's a woman. She's like, she's hysterical or whatever. I think in politics is very common when politicians express themselves about the women in politics. There's so there is this a lot of like dehumanization, um, and it's violent. It's abusive. Let's talk about it. Keeping you from socializing. Whenever you have plans to go out, they come up with a distraction or beg you not to go. So a secret I have to share. I think so, but I don't know. But I think that there's once that I did that. I didn't want my partner to go visit a woman he was attracted to. And I didn't express that. And in, my, in the morning on my yoga mat, I had a panic attack. And he didn't go for like a few hours. And he was staying with me and supporting me. And I felt ashamed and embarrassed. Like, what am I doing? On the other hand, I didn't really have control over the the whole, I don't know, this, this experience in my body. It was like, of like this very exhilarated, exhilarated breathing and contraction. And so, I don't know, maybe it was um, that, um, keeping my partner to stay with me. Trying to come between you and your family, um, withholding affection. They won't touch you, not even to hold your hand or pat you on the shoulder. They may refuse sexual relations to punish you or to get you to do something. Uh, I think I do that when I'm not getting what I want because I didn't ask for it first of all didn't express that I had the wish I sometimes just like close myself and do not want to be touched or like I, I'm just gonna withhold affection and then shame myself and then get into a loop until I share it like a day after usually I'm embarrassed to say it Tuning you out, they will wave you off, change the subject, or just plain ignore you when you want to talk about your relationships. Mm. 
yeah it's a it's a it's a thing with like the open relationship uh in couples yeah instead of people just don't want to talk about because they don't want to move anywhere deeper or like separate if the conversation might end up into ending their relationship they would uh, you know avoid it and tuning you out is one of the ways to avoid it uh, actively working to turn others against you they'll tell co-workers friends and even family your family that you're unstable or prone to hysterics I had a client who had a very toxic relationship whose partner went all over the social media, the company work to tell the workers, um, the co-workers that something was wrong with that person. And my client was really afraid until we reminded him that, no, it's like, these are normal people. They can tell that you're okay. And your partner went bananas. And it's, it's like, the fear comes from this under, this thinking that I am alone and there is no one in the world who can understand me or take care of or agree with me. But talking about it uh, openly is what it's like you get out of yourself and then you start reaching out to people and you get reality checks and people actually more willing to support you in this and they are more, much more understanding than it seems while you're still silent and thinking by yourself. Calling you needy when you're really down and out um, and reach out for support, they will tell you you're too needy or the world can't stop turning your little problems, turning for your little problems. I had it with my sister. I remember she called me needy when I had a belly pain and I asked mom to bring me to the hospital and I rolled on the ground because it was really painful. And uh, my sister, she said, I'm needing, I need attention. And my mom, she agreed with her. And these are two adults and I'm just a child. And I really believe that something is wrong with me and I should not be wanting to go to hospital or I should not want to get help. I mean, mm -hmm. for them, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. For me, it was bad. Interrupting, you're on the phone or texting and they get in your face to let you know your attention should be on them. <laughs> hmm. I don't I think I whether I have done that while I was playing with my partner yeah indifference they see you hurt or crying and do nothing so some there's this you know there are people who would cry on purpose to get attention and there are people who cry because it's really painful and indifference is that kind of stonewalling of the person that keeps the power in place Disputing your feelings, whatever you feel, they will say you're wrong to feel that way, or that's not really what you feel at all. Hmm. Yeah, I had done that a lot with my partners when I was lecturing them. They would say me one more thing and I would translate them into another thing. And then it's like, no, 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 this is what you're actually feeling. And they would agree with me, say, oh, yeah, you're right. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is a power move I wasn't aware of before. So, and the last thing that I want to talk about is codependence a codependent relationship is when everything you do in reaction to your abuser's behavior and they need you just as much to boost their own self-esteem you've forgotten how to be any other way it's a vicious circle of unhealthy behavior um, and the signs of of maybe being a codependent is that you are unhappy in the relationship but fear alternatives 
consistently neglect your own needs for the sake of others. Ditch friends and sideline your family to please your partner. Frequently seek out your partner's approval. Critique yourself through your abuser's eye, ignoring your own instincts. I had that to myself as well. It's like, am I really this? Because I because I really believe that my partner was right and something like I, I just don't know enough. That's what was my story. You make a lot of sacrifices to please the other person, but it's not reciprocated. Um, you would rather live in the current state of chaos than be alone. You bite your tongue and repress your feelings to keep the peace. Or you feel responsible and take the blame for something that your partner did. You defend your abuser when others point out what's happening. You try to rescue them from themselves. You feel guilty when you stand up for yourself or when you set boundaries um, or when you express that you're angry. And these are all the signs of codependency because I have it a lot and I work with people who also have it. So it's like, eh, in your face, painful. You feel guilt, uh, you think you deserve this treatment. So somebody's treating you as a piece of shit and you're just like, yeah, of course, I, that's what I deserve. Um, he believed that nobody else could ever want to be with you. Mm, that's one of the common beliefs that when we invite on circles, when we share, we most of us have the same beliefs. Like, yeah, who would like, who would want to be with me? Nobody else would. So I'm staying with this asshole. You change your behavior in response to guilt. Your abuser says, I can't live with you, so you stay. I can't live without you, so you stay. So what to do? Um, so it's really difficult to be in an abusive relationship and to know that this is an abusive relationship. For, and if you get to know that you know this something is wrong then there's a layer of shame guilt like oh my god i chose this now if i'm gonna talk to somebody they will shame me and I, it's better for me not to talk about it. I'm just gonna try to resolve this on my own no don't do it go out open your mouth speak share let others speak and share whatever they're thinking and feeling go to more people to get more reality check um find professional support you know, make a list of 20 psychotherapists in your area, call them, ask for, like, interview them. I had this great advice from one of my radical honesty friends who says, like, just go and just interview them, make a list of psychotherapists, interview them. Like, well, fuck yeah, I, I'm paying them, they work for me. I'm here to decide, like, I'm here to hire them. It took me, like, it was such a genius advice because somehow when I go to psychotherapists, the fact that I am there to share as if I'm going to burden them so they need to choose me. No, I choose them. I need to some I need to find someone that I like. And if I don't like them, then I need to find somebody who I feel safe and I like. So, what this amazing list that I'm reading here writes about the what you can do in an abusive relationship is accept that abuse isn't your responsibility. Split the pie of the responsibility. Don't try to reason with your abuser, which is something that I've done a lot. I try to reason and try to show them and tell them that they need to get over their anger. They're just angry. You're just angry. 
I'll be here. I will wait for you to get over it. You may want to help, but it's unlikely they will break this pattern of behavior without professional counseling. That's their responsibility. Um, you don't need to change your partner. If they're assholes, they're just assholes. You need to make the decision that feels good for you, which is hard. Disengage and set personal boundaries. Decide that you won't respond to abuse or get sucked into arguments. Stick to it. Limit exposure to the abuser as much as you can. I, I like that. I, it's some, yeah, it's, it's a, I did like, I limit uh, my contact with some of my family members and I really like it. Um, because before I thought, oh, they're my family. I have to be there for them. I, you know, we should be close. It's all my responsibility to restore connection, to, to have to restore the family feeling that's that I miss so much. But I realized that they have no interest in that. They have no like. They don't care. And uh, and I thought like, oh wait. So if they're not doing anything to make this work, so there's no point if I'm going to do anything about it either. Accept the relationship or circumstance. If possible, cut all ties. Make it clear that it's over and do not look back. You might also want to find a therapist who can show you a healthy way to move forward. Um, I use my therapist now as a... So it's like I learned from exploring so many relationship dynamics with so many different people in the last seven, eight years that I, I made a conclusion that I'm not a good judge on what's normal in relationships. So I now use people to give me some sense of uh, like a reality checks. Like, how do you think this looks like to you? And I use my therapist as well to, you know, to, I listen to her feedback and advice when it comes to um, my relationship behavior and how I'm being treated. And it's just like, I say, do you think this is okay? Because I come from a dysfunctional family and I have high tolerance to dysfunction, dysfunctional behavior. So having more people meet more people's um, ideas about it um, is just helpful for me to make an informed decision. Give yourself time to heal. Reach out to supportive friends and family members. If you're in school, talk to a teacher or guidance counselor. If you think it will help, find a therapist who can help you in your recovery so this is from helpline.com one of the very first articles that popped up when i googled emotional abuse and i really like it i think it's very thorough it mentioned the things that i didn't really know myself uh, that you know it's a thing um yeah and now you know it too now it's recorded it's going to be published and be online if you have a friend who you think might be suffering, share it with them. Saying, hey, I worry about you. This is how I feel seeing you. This is how I feel hearing you. Uh, maybe you'll find this useful. Or if you are in a relationship that you feel ashamed to talk about, or you feel guilty for talking about, or you're afraid to talk to people, then send a message. Say hi. See what happens. Um, it's confidential. I'm confidential. You're confidential. Mm. And I think I really like 
I'm doing this training with Esther Perel and I like her explanation that people are like the abuse is most common in in the closest connections in um, in family in partnerships because at home you can get away with things that you could not get away in public and once you make like that's I imagine that's why public abuse or physical abuse is more it seems to be more uh, existent because whatever happens at home people keep tend to you know protect each other not share out loud what really happened but once that secret is out and once you make the private into public then there is more chances for something to, to change to be different there's more um, opportunities to be seen and heard and supported and for people who use violence in any sort to get some sort of like a reality slap in the face like hey this is not okay and I like the Esther Perel she shared when she had a she counseled um, a couple and that turned out a husband was abusive towards his wife and Esther, she walked them to the elevator and down. Um, she uh, walked with them up until the exit. And in the elevator, she noticed the husband to be embarrassed or ashamed. And she asked, why are you embarrassed? What is, what's, you know, what's embarrassing? He's like, well, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm feeling bad about you taking this time to walk us out. And she and Sarah was like, I was amazed. That man is has zero regret or has zero perception that there's something wrong about beating this person, this the the closest person he has. But he feels deeply ashamed for, you know, a stranger walking them out the building. So the perception of violence is such a it's like each world, each mind has a different perception of what is violent or not. And what I want to also to share today for you to know that it doesn't matter what the other person meant with what they said or did. It also matters how you received it and the other way around. It doesn't mean like... It, it's it, 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 it's equally important that you meant no harm by saying or doing something. It's equally important how the other person received what you said or did. And for both need to be space created that you get to express how you feel about your intention and the other person gets to feel their feelings and express how they think and feel about what you shared. So both sides of you know, inflicting and receiving are equally important and deserves to be um, addressed and talked about. So that's it for today. It's a one hour long live. And um, I wish you to have more conversations about this. I felt very uncomfortable at the beginning. Now I feel better. And I think that this each abusive sharings or conversations start with a lot of discomfort and then it gets better on a way all right well i wish you a beautiful day and i'll see you next week